Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. All right, I'm, I'm sure I won't do this uh, pronunciation justice, uh, but this oh. week's guest, Brett Dobreskovic. Did I get that anywhere near right? Nailed it, you nailed it. Yes, awesome. <laughs> First try. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm amazing. Awesome, awesome. Uh, just looking at your logo there, shining out at me. We do similar work, but we also come at it from a very different angle, which is cool. So if you think about the work that you do, what are, what are most people struggling with when they come to you? Um, okay, so I work with people who are, who are lost, they're, they're confused, they're, they're lacking direction in their life. Um, <clears throat> And and that can be from a multitude of different from a different multitude of different reasons, because when we shop in the world, you know, we're bombarded with who we need to be or how we need to act or how do we need to behave from our parents, from TV and um, from our peers and teachers. Um, if we were you know, brought up in a religious setting, from preachers, so we're told from the outside world constantly when we're this young child who we need to be, how we need to act, what we need to do. So this can can um, confuse people and they can carry that through their whole entire life. And so a lot of people who come to me, they've continuously outsourced their their thinking to these external forces. And then, you know, in older age, you know, it could be outsourcing thinking to YouTube or Google or Netflix or all these things because they're feeling a sense of unfulfillment inside. And that's when we're feeling unfulfilled. We tend to turn to short-term quick fixes so it could be you know what i call addictive stimulators so like alcohol drugs gambling coffee um sex um, sugar gaming entertainment all these things to give us a short-term instant gratification like a dopamine kick so that we can make up for the unfulfillment that's going on in our life and so one of the biggest problems i see in the world is that so many people have lost that connection to their own intuition, their own inner voice, their own inner guidance, and they're operating from this structure of society that tells them they have to be a certain way and it can actually be quite emotionally um, painful um, for a lot of people and emotion and cause a lot of suffering in people's lives. So um, that's one of the biggest things that I find with what I do because I've, I've been in that situation as well. I was trying to figure everything out. 
And um, a lot of people are caught up in their head, you know, trying to analyze why they're here, where they're going, um, which is, is going to create more confusion and more overwhelm and frustration. And um, I believe that every single human being here is, you know, we're here for a reason. We showed up here for a reason. Like if we look into the latest around like um, uh, creative evolution, that there's a blueprint to life, like the, you know, fractal geometry and like life, like we've been told that life is just a random series of events and um, evolution is random and, you know, life is meaningless. We're just here to procreate and, and, and that's it. Like that's an old paradigm, you know, based on, you know, old models and old theories around why we got here as a collective. And so that's kind of just the norm for most people. You know, and um, I remember the feeling like, you know, when I would get into my car and I'd be stuck in traffic and I'd be holding on to my steering wheel. I was like, is this all there is to life? Just wake up, do a dead-end job that I can't stand and live for the, go and get drunk and, you know, on the weekend. And I always thought there was more to life. And then I started to find people who were, who were on those paths of doing something extraordinary with their life. And they would say, hey, you can do this too. You know, I'm not, I'm not anything different. I've just, I've just found what's, I've just looked at these people and I thought they've just found what's their, what they're calling is they've found what's in their heart that they're here to share. And so any challenge, any obstacle that comes up for them, they just, they're able to move through it because it's like their, their vision and their purpose is bigger than any of the stuff in the outside world. And the world adapts to their, to their vision or the, to their purpose. Oh, and that's I what I, yeah, that's what I really found was, quite fascinating on my journey the world adapts to you mate i love that we'll definitely come back to that but you said something else here that's also really powerful you asked that question is this all there is to life and what you described there was a lot like the the journey i was on when i realized that same thing like drinking on the weekend then spend a couple of days of the start of the week recovering and then just thinking about the weekend in in a job that yeah, it was it was good to a to a certain end, but there was no fulfillment, no satisfaction, and then you just do the whole cycle again. But when you ask that question, right, it it, it leads that curiosity, being inquisitive, it, it leads you to to more answers. From my experience, you don't ask that question randomly out of out of the blue. Something in your life has triggered you to start asking that question. So, so what was that for you? What, what sort of came to you to, to make you think, oh, what, this is not how I want life to go? Um, okay, so to begin with, like I, I dropped out of high school when I was about 15 and I just started working in um, labouring jobs, just using, using my body to, to, to make money basically just – and it was great at first, you know, I was earning a lot more than my friends and people who were doing apprentices and that. But then I'd sit out and we'd have, you know, we'd have our lunch with the, the other men and everyone was just complaining about their life, their wife, their, their the job, the the government, taxes, their boss. And I noticed this throughout my journey. It's like everyone was just just complaining and whinging and I was just like, damn, is this what my life's going to amount to in 
you know, I was, you know, only young. I was like in, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40. It's like, I don't want to live my whole life like that. Like there's yeah. got to be more to this. And so that was kind of the seed was planted then early on where I was constantly looking and I was like, okay, there's got to be another way to this. And, and um, that kept my mind open to, you know, the different opportunities and possibilities, I guess. Yeah, really cool. So when someone comes to you now and they're asking that same question and maybe they're not saying it in those direct words, but they're basically, they're lost and lacking direction and, and they're wanting more meaning. How do you then get them to a place where you can show them that there's a whole world of possibilities beyond what they're currently experiencing? Okay. So throughout my probably it was about a seven year journey that took place um, for me. And over that time I was collecting all these different pieces of the puzzle, like trying to figure it out for myself. Right. And so I was going and I was learning and I was taking in all this information and I was applying things and seeing what worked, seeing what didn't wanting to understand the mind and how brain works, how um, neuroplasticity works and epigenetics and, how we create our reality through quantum physics, which seems um, seem, can seem a little bit woo if you go right into the – but once you go into the mechanics of it, it's pretty, pretty cool. It's yeah. very cool information. And that kind of opens up a whole whole other can of worms. But um, over my seven-year journey, I, I assimilated everything and I created what I call the purpose activation system. Yep. So the purpose activation system is – um, a three-part process and the first step is to identify and dissolve the subconscious limitations that are holding you back from taking life to the next level. Now, when we talk about subconscious limitations, like there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different terms used um, that could be, you know, the, the terms like, um, like trauma or um, subconscious blocks or triggers or emotional charges, um, wounds. There's a lot of different terminology out there that can actually confuse a lot of people as well when it comes to you know your personal growth journey. But they all synonymous. They all pretty much mean they all come back to a similar thing where our emotions then override our conscious mind and we are reacting to you know external stimuli and we don't know why we continue to go through the same patterns and cycles. Yep. So. Being able to identify those is like one of the most powerful things we can do because if we can't identify where this this emotional reaction is coming from, then we're going to continuously repeat the same cycle over and over and over again. All right. So first step is like uh, is obviously identifying and having a process to dissolve those. And so um, anything we can't say thank you for and appreciate in our life. And we resist and we try to run away from, we run into. Whatever we suppress is expressed in other ways. So most people think, all right, this thing keeps happening. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to not think about it. I'm going to think positively only. And that will be the way that I break free of this. And that might work for a week, two, maybe a month, but then the cycle will repeat again. And then people will beat themselves up. Or why do I keep doing this to me? They'll, you know, slam themselves, they'll ridicule themselves, judge themselves, and that cycle will continue to perpetuate. Yeah. And so um, 
that's a step number one is identifying and dissolving those um, subconscious limitations. So that's like, I would say, like clearing, clearing, uh, pulling the weeds of the mind, you could say, because there's all this noise and static within the mind that builds up. And so when we're governed by these um, limitations, what actually happens in the brain is a, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is um, part of the animal brain we share with other animals. And that's where the fight or fight response is activated. And so we're running, uh, uh, we're running around based on our emotions, based on our emotional reactions and behaviors. And so this prefrontal cortex, the most evolved part of the brain, it's the crowning achievement of human evolution. Right, this is what takes them, you know, critically think to reflect, to have creative solutions. Most people are, are basically all the neurochemistry and all those different neural pathways and um, neuro, all those different, uh, what is it, it's lost me, um, neurotransmitters. Yeah, neuro, different neurotransmitters, different things in the brain. They're all sloshing around in this animal part of the brain, right? And this is where we become addicted, we become, you know, emotionally reactive. We become sure we, we're governed by external stimuli. We're blaming the outside world and we're complaining and we're just, we're not actually thinking for ourselves. And that can become um, a chronic way of being for some people. It's like they're constantly stuck in that. And because we haven't been taught how to think, we've been taught what to think. And yeah. so the first step is like pulling those weeds because, you know, if we get triggered on by some little thing on the outside, you know, it could be traced all the way back to our to our childhood, to our upbringing, and and if we don't know how to actually identify why that's coming up and why that's causing a trigger for us, then you know we're going to be continuing going through the same cycle, and we're not and we're not going to know what it is in our external environment that's causing that, and we're just going to blame, oh, they're like that, or that person's like that, or because of them, or because of this. And so once we create more awareness and clear out all that static. Then step number two is the purpose activation framework. And before, so before we go to step two, can I can I just ask a specific around step one? So you yeah. said you're helping them to identify and and have a process to be able to address some of those things. So could you could you give us a little bit of like um maybe a, a tip or, or something you could just give to people that, that, that would make sense of that. So how, if, they, if they know they're in that sort of loop, like how do they start identifying what's, what's something that's keeping them trapped and what's just something that's just part of everyday life that's going to happen anyway? Um, okay. I can share I can share that. I'll give you an example of this first and then yeah. I can go into a little bit more. So a particular client I was working with, um, he was quite shy, quite timid when I first met him and he came through, he was uh, very well off, he was a day trader, um, he was making a, a lot of money on the stock market but was just waking up miserable, felt empty, felt lost, you know, all these kind of things. And, um, and he went through the process and then he messaged me and he, he goes, man, 15 years of shame just melted away. Yeah, Wow. And then, so I got on a call with him. I said, what happened? And he said, well, there was this time when I was younger where my older brother and me were having a, a tiff at a, at, a, at a family do. And they, they ended up having a fight. And his brother embarrassed him in front of everyone. And from that, 
experience, he he had this kind of track inside of him, like this this story that he wasn't good enough, that he was, you know, that he was a loser and everyone laughed at him and all this kind of stuff. And so when he went through this process, what he realized was that that experience actually made him start getting into martial arts, made him, he was a very fit dude, very built. He, was, he went to the gym, he started going to the gym. He, that created more discipline for him and structure, which then led him to then create a way to create an income using, you know, that discipline and focus that he'd acquired from the, from the gym and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. he realized, holy crap, all these things that came, that was actually a hidden blessing in his life, but it was, it was a shame that he, he identified with back there. And so Brilliant. one of the most powerful things I could say to someone around how to actually First off, is you've got to really identify it. So whatever triggers you, whatever annoys you or pisses you off most is yeah. actually the doorway, right? It's actually the key to, to, to a, a deeper understanding about life and not only that but a greater level of gratitude because until we're grateful for what we've already got, we can't create anything greater, right? And the way to find gratitude beyond – and we have to feel gratitude at a level we haven't felt before. So to find that, we have to look where we swore love never existed. And so when we do that, we're liberated from the story. We're liberated from that, you know, that um, unconscious or subconscious block, limitation, trauma, wound, trigger, emotional charge, whatever, you know, label or lingo you want to use. Yeah. Um, So... This is this is this is a lot to go into, but one of the things I, I say is like whatever. Say you're struggling with a particular area of life, and there's a particular cycle that keeps coming up. You have to find that first. Become aware of what keeps repeating itself, and what cycle keeps repeating itself. And usually, how we how we look in one area of life how we act in one area of life will be the same cycle will be playing out in most areas of our life. hundred percent. Yeah. And so identifying that first and foremost, like having the time, the ability to flex, sit out and go, okay, what's going on for me. And then once you go through and you actually identify, it's actually looking at how is this serving me? How is this a blessing? How is this helping me grow? How is this, how is this helping me evolve? Because once we, realize and register those those hidden blessings and we actually take the time to sit down and see the benefits there's no emotional charge there anymore so we're where all the energy blood uh, all the energy blood and glucose is going to the forebrain to ask this question right because whenever we ask a question we light up the frontal lobe of the brain and the more times we answer that question the more new, uh, neural pathways we're forming and creating and firing and wiring and we're seeing this insights and so there's no so when that charge comes up, there's no emotional reaction anymore, and we have the ability to respond. And that's what responsibility means. Yeah, Your ability to respond, right? And yeah. so if you're responding as opposed to reacting, then you create a new experience. You have a new understanding. You won't be triggered. You won't be caught up in that cycle um, like you were in the past. So good. So self awareness is the first step. So that being able to identify where you're already having these triggers and then 
what you said there, responsibility. So you talked about these people that are stuck in blame. So they go from a shift of blame to actually taking self-responsibility for all those areas, and that's yep. where they get the shift, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Love it. Well, was taking, yeah, taking responsibility and seeing the hidden blessing, and seeing how this is serving them, what's, what's been the hidden blessing behind this, because we've created everything in our life. If we look at you know, quantum physics, the observer effect states that you know, particles of matter collapse to create um, our reality. And it's, that's going like, you know, the subatomic world and subatomic particles and stuff, which is, it's mind boggling that this isn't common knowledge yet, but it's, it's, it's not being spoken about for a reason. Yeah. And uh, that's not to say that we can't find those answers by digging as you have. So I want to come back to that hidden blessing as well. Cause I, cause I think there's uh, no, I don't think I know there's a massive amount of value in, in talking about that, particularly through your story, which we'll get more to. Okay, I'll let you get back to the steps now. So step two was? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so yeah, step number two. So first one is like, you know, clearing the weeds, um, identifying and dissolving your subconscious limitations. And step number two is the purpose activation framework where this process, right, is really kind of like, almost like you've got to trick your brain like, you don't sit down and go, okay, what's my purpose or what do I want to do? It's like it's asking questions where you actually engage the imagination. So that is really, really important where you're able to take off that kind of strike that, um, what would I say, like this box that we place ourselves in because our reality is based on every thought, feeling, emotion, action, behavior, everything we've ever done in our life. And so – there's thoughts, things, and ideas that we aren't even aware that we aren't aware of. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. it's it's incredible. Our mind and our brain is is you know one of the most powerful organs. Um, but step number two is like planting planting the flowers, planting the seeds of of what we feel called and destined to do. And and if we can see how it was linked to when we were younger and what inspired us and what got us out of bed and what made our heart skip a beat. Like if we can find that connection to what really lights us up and we're, and again, it comes back to self-awareness. If we're sitting down and we're having a conversation with someone and they, they bring up a comp, they bring up a topic and we're like, wow, yeah. And we start getting into it. We know that that's connected to our purpose while we're here. And yeah. then we speak to someone who brings up something. We're like, oh, I can't be bothered talking about this. I want to get out of this conversation. You know, that's a clear indication of something that's not. So, what I found really fascinating, actually, is can I just can I just um, quickly dive in there, Brett? Yeah. So that what you were talking about there—that's the hidden blessing you were talking about, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's like the thing you've overcome, and that it's led you to do all these like X, Y, Z as you've overcome it, like that's the gift that you're talking about, right? Yeah. So, um, okay. So I'm going to break down some really cool information. This is, this is really, really powerful. So every, every single human being, right. When we show up in the world, we have certain, we have our own kind of personality, right? And so from zero to eight, we construct 85% of the neural pathways in our brain. So by the time we're eight years old, we've constructed 
of our concepts of reality, our personality, or our personal reality by the time we're eight. And we're having 60,000 thoughts per day and only one new thought every four days. And from age eight to 35 is where we construct the other 15%. And we hardwire our neural pathways into our brain. And so our personal reality is basically hardwired based upon our experiences that we have from the, in that time, which create memories, which then create our emotions. And emotions what dictate our actions and our outcomes. And so in that time, um, when we show up in the world, actually before we even show up here, we are, our DNA is tagged with our, what are called our voids and our values. Now, um, a, one of the leading human behavior specialists, Dr. John D. Martini, talks about this in, in depth, but to sum it up really, really simply, is like he talks about how every human being has a hierarchy of values, things that are most important to least important and most meaningful and least meaningful in their life. And so when we – our voids are what we perceive as missing in our life. So an example of this is most um, – most comedians had a great tragedy in their life or um, a lot of nurses, doctors and carers and healers perceived there was a lack of care growing up in their life. Uh, judges, police, uh, lawyers believed that there was a great injustice done by them in their life. So there was this thing that was missing for them that as human beings, that's what fulfillment means to fill full the void. And so these voids and values um, uh, tagging to our DNA at the point of conception based upon our parents' voids and values. That's why two people can have the exact same DNA, get it on, and create completely opposite different children, right? They, they completely value different things. Yeah. And so whatever we perceived as most missing growing up, um, whatever we perceived um, was, for me, it was a lack of understanding. So people who have a lack of understanding tend to become teachers or tend to become um, people who want to understand things and then share that with others. Uh, and so whenever we're doing anything that aligns to our purpose or our, or our highest value, which is what our whole behavior is governed around based upon what is going to give us the most, um, you know, the most benefits or the most advantages over disadvantages, most rewards over risk to whatever is our purpose, whatever is most inspiring to us. And that can be unconscious, right? And even our behaviors, our addictive stimula stimulating behaviors, even in those things, we, we derive a certain value. Like there's a reason why some people are addicted to gambling versus some people are addicted to, you know, food. There's these different voids that are being met and they're trying to fill that void with something of value. And so Whenever we're doing anything that's aligned to our purpose, there's a part of the brain called the telencephalon. And that, um, that it lights up, it activates, and we have the most intention, retention, and attention. So we have the most retention of information, we have the most attention and focus and concentration, you know, time will fly by, we're in the zone, and then we have the most intention. So we'll get up and we'll move our body and our, and our muscles. A perfect example of these would be like, in regard to retention is like most people will remember what they had for dinner last week, but they will remember certain memories, right? And that those memories are connected to why they're here. It's why they, 
that's why they stick out. And there's obviously emotion in it is what also creates memories. And so whatever we have emotion around, right, is we're here to understand. We're here to see the hidden blessing. And if there's, you know, uh, like a uh, an emotion around a particular um, trauma or perceived trauma or particular uh, wound or particular um, trigger or whatnot, that is going to that, – that, that is surfacing. That is giving us insight that, hey, we've got unfinished business here to – really shift um, where we can really shift our, our perception and see life in a whole new, in a whole new way that can in, actually empower us and enable us and, and show us where we were strong, where we were tenacious, where we were, you know, um, empowered, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's the, you know, the things that we're doing there. Obviously, where we're focused and concentrated, and also like if we're you know say someone you know you you know it's an afternoon and, you, and you're chilling out and someone messages you so hey come to this thing or do this thing and you're like nah I'm, I'm gonna you know you can easily say no I can't be bothered but then you have another friend say a different thing that is in, you know inspiring to you all of a sudden you might have been tired and all of a sudden you feel energized and you're up and you're out and you're getting ready and you're doing your thing yeah you know? so what actually we now know what actually happens is our perception. Not actually what's happening in our environment, but our perception of it can either tire us, right, or energize us, mm. right? And this what can time? affect mitochondria, the other cells, engine. It's it's very fascinating, very fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Just for just for people who are tuning in, you think about when. Uh, exactly that someone says oh come do this and you're like oh, i don't really feel like it and then you end up doing the same thing because someone else might ask you the same thing and that can tend to cause some some uh some dramas or because it's like hang on like like it's like yeah they don't understand why but like yeah well i kind of changed my mind i'm not really sure why either but it's exactly as you described right there are yeah. certain things that just light us up and and the energy of that takes us forward really cool yeah, exactly. And that's why so many people aren't aware of their purpose. Like they don't know actually why that is because a human being, like we're born with a purpose. Like I've taken, when, when I talk about purpose, it's like it's what's biologically going on for us as well. It's linked to our own physiology, our own behavior. And we're only going to be committed to what is going to fulfill us most in life. You know, we're not committed to a person. We're not committed to a thing like, or we're not committed to, that we're committed to the fulfillment of what we're here to do. But this can all happen unconsciously as well. A lot of the time it is. It's, it's, say someone's like, I want to stop, you know, I want to stop eat, overeating. They're telling themselves that consciously, but unconsciously there's a hidden benefit. They're, they're getting some sort of value met. They're getting, they're fulfilling something inside of them. Yeah. You said that a couple, you said that a couple of times now. It's, it's like even the things that are keeping us stuck, they have served us and they are serving us. We have to get to the point to realize that they're not serving us like going forward to be able to shift it. Right. Well, that's a lot of the time, like people, like I said, who say someone who's overreading there, they know that they're telling themselves, this is not serving. This is killing me. This is bad for me. I shouldn't be doing this, but it creates a cycle of guilt, you know? And so the key thing is, um, really actually getting grateful for and looking at what is this, what is the hidden benefit? Like for instance, someone might be overeating because there may be their family is like, 
overweight and it helps them fit in with their family or maybe like um, they get to feel the sense of presence and connection to themselves because they, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're overeating and they're like full eyes and like, whoa, they're not thinking about anything else. They're just like, whoa, my stomach falls full and they feel present in that moment. They feel connected to themselves and aware of themselves. Like there's all these unconscious because our unconscious behavior will override any conscious, you know, thought every single time. And so if we can't see what we're getting from it, we can't actually choose alternatives. So it's like finding what those benefits are and then, okay, what alternatives can I implement into my life that's going to get me those feelings and get me those, um, those same, that same level of fulfillment that I was getting from the behavior that is probably not going to serve me long term. Yeah, love it. Yeah, cool. All right. So, so, <laughs> go on. so that's step number. I was kind of branded on about step number two. So step number two is like planning the. Yeah, it's a big one, right? Yeah, huh? it's the big one. Right, you, you've got to get all that stuff in place to to then go on the expansion. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and once you kind of plant the seeds and like, so what I what I really really think is so important, and we should all be taught this in school. How this is creating our own statement of purpose, right? And this is the document that once you once you go through this, like this is the document that my clients and my students will have for the rest of their life. Like, and they will refine that over their time and it's like what they want to dedicate their life, their time, their energy to that is most inspiring, fulfilling. And I get them to dream big because at the end of the day, it's like we will, if we shoot for the stars and hit the moon, it's better than shooting for the, you know, the highest tree and, you know, stopping at the, you know, at the first branch kind of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, expanding our thinking, expanding what we feel called to do, expanding that because a human being will never outgrow their vision. And so, you know, I believe that I would love my, my life's work is that one day that this is common knowledge, like in terms of what happens on a physiological level, because this can be applied to different, uh, different disciplines and different studies, like different ologies, you could say. And that one day that this is this is taught to us because I I never I'm not sure about you probably everyone listening here no one sat down and the teacher never asked okay kids today we're going to write out what do you love what inspires you why do you what do you feel called to do what do you feel you know is the most meaningful thing you could do and then you know writing that out and then the next year you're gonna we're gonna come back to that and we're gonna add more and you know what I mean and we're gonna refine it and we're gonna get it more you know. Um, specific to to us and so that never happened that never happened for any of us we will we will never ask questions of our own intuition of our own heart we'll ask questions of you know rote learning which is memorize this fact and yep. whoever can memorize the most facts the best is going to get the highest marks yep 100 percent. and um yeah so what what's give me the because i want to get to your story so, so give me okay. step three, but but yeah. give it give it in a uh, give it in a uh, short version so that we can get into the the guts of yeah, yeah, sure, uh, sure, the sure. craziness so of your story. Plant the flowers. Step number three is what I call the master plan and pathway process. Okay, so this is where we map out from where you know where you are now to where you want to be, and we get you there in the most effective and efficient way possible. So, 
the way I like to look at it is step number two. A lot of people are in step number one. They're either blaming it and they're, you know, they're blaming their external environment. Then step number that's step number one. Then step number two is like, all right, I want to create something. I want to do something. And some people get stuck here where they, you know, I want to, you know, I, I like to say it's like typical kind of hippie would be like, I want to create the new earth, but they're just smoking weed and doing yoga all day, or you know, like um, someone has this big vision. Oh yeah, I want to be a multimillionaire, but like they just watch, you know, they just buy a lotto ticket once a week and then, you know, the rest of the time they just watch boring entertainment and they're not learning anything about wealth. So they have this grand vision, but there's actually no, it's actually, it's a fantasy. It's an illusion. It's a delusion. It's like uh, a hope and wish plan. And so step number three, and it's, which is associated with the left side of the brain, which is the analytical and detailed and logical side of the brain. That's where we kind of map out. We use more of that. That's more of a masculine kind of thing. It's like we get into details and we break it down and we chunk things down and what, you know, what particular skills, behaviors, actions, um, habits, rituals do that. Does that person need to basically uh, build around their life and their day so that they can actually fulfill that vision and their long and their long-term purpose. Um, so the right brain is, you know, abstract. It's the vision. It's connected to our heart. It's, you know, it has that strong pull on it for us emotionally. And so um, we need to integrate both hemispheres of, the, of those brains for us to be most effective and most efficient because a lot of people are left brain as well where they're like typical, you know, push and grind there you know, hustler, entrepreneur, and they're just like, oh, you know, they're like just pushing it and they're like they're basically pushing shit uphill because they're just trying to force themselves and they need 10 coffees a day to get through it and they're just forcing, forcing, forcing. It's all that left and it's all strategy and it's like, what's the next strategy? What's the next thing? But when we're connected, we actually come up with our own strategies that we can create through the integration and the synthesization of all those things that we've learned and we just have these you know, these messages and these, um, this inner guidance starts to show up in our life. And we're like, we're led from inwardly. Yeah. Love it. And we, I definitely want to come back to that as well, but I want to, I want to find out about more about how you've got to this point. So like your experience and how it's led to you, because it's all well and good to have all this knowledge, but it's really, really valuable for people to hear like how you've come about this all of this knowledge because it's been your own journey, right? So take me back to, you said, like we talked about sort of defining moments and you talked about when you were, when you were a kid, you, you were the, you, you said you were the fat kid. And so you got bullied and picked on all these different things. So what, what was that early childhood like? And, and have you found awareness around what sort of led you to that space in the first place? Was it like a family thing like you described or was it some other um, moment in your life that sort of led you to that space of, of having that relationship with food? Um, yeah, well, well, to kind of begin the journey, like, now, my my parents absolutely love them and so grateful for the te- blessings and the lessons, and they taught me so much. Um, but when I was, I was young, like, there was a lot of domestic violence in the home, um, my, there was drugs, there was, um, you know, there was, there was some, you know, we were born in a, you know, I was born in a, like you could say a low, lower socio-demographic kind of family. Um, 
you know, my stepdad raised me from about 18 months old and, you know, I would see him and my mum, you know, kick the shit out of each other. I'd, I'd seen some pretty wild stuff at an early age. And so at that age, I kind of, you know, I didn't know how to process any of that information. So I would end up, um, I, I didn't tell anyone. I never told anyone until I was probably about 25. I was so ashamed and embarrassed. So I thought, oh, well, if I tell people, they're going to judge me based on that and think differently of me. And so this was a story, seeing that I used to bury it because I didn't want anyone to find out. Um, and so by burying that, I would my, my coping mechanism was to turn to food. And so I would sit at, at, at lunch and recess and uh, I would just eat the whole time and sit by myself. And so... Um, you know, I was, you know, I, was, I became the fat kid and I was picked on and teased. And then as I got into high school, I realized that these kids were bigger <laughs> and I was getting picked on by bigger kids. And so I eventually, I started standing up for myself and, um, I, I ended up fighting. I get I got into fighting and, and fighting and, and I started getting angry and, and lashing out. And then, and then I was either... And I started beating these other kids, you know, in fights and standing up for myself. And um, then I kind of got caught into that whole, you know, I'm, 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 the, I'm the toughest, I'm the baddest. And then I would, you know, attract all these other situations. And, uh, you know, it was, but inside of me, I was this, actually this sweet, innocent kid. But it was at 14 that I realized, holy shit, I'm angry and I'm lashing out and I'm violent just like I see my parents. And then I realized my both my parents, they were beaten and, you know, had a harsh upbringing they told me about. I'm like, crap, this is a cycle that's going. I'm like, if I don't do something about this now, I will do this to my kids. Yeah, powerful. Yeah. So I realized that at 14, I was like, I realized there was a cycle when I was at 14 years old. I'm like, I need to do something about this. I need to stop this. So I left home at about 15 and um, – uh, that's that's just um, that's massive, by the way, to have that sort of self awareness at fourteen. I can see why it's such an area of passion for you because few do. Most yeah. of us have drifted along till till much later, exactly like you described those those old fellows you worked with when you first went into into building and so on. Like they just haven't learned that. So that's that's cool, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, one little side thing I want to share with you as well. So. When I was born, my mum told me I was born with a long grey hair at the back of my head, which was meant to be a sign of wisdom. You're right. And so I, I forgot that for so long, but whenever I remembered, I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm here to like figure something out. Like, <laughs> like and that was always kind of there for me. Like, um, you know, I was, but I forgot, I would forget it constantly, but now it's something that I always remember when I'm like, okay, there's, my, my mum told me that story for a reason. I don't know if it was true or not. I, I wasn't there, but I'm like, cool, that sounds awesome. Like, that's, so, that's um, the character story. And we have so many of those as well that we forget um, as well, that we forget where we come from. And that's a really important part because I'd spent so long trying to forget where I'd come from, trying to avoid looking there and, and trying to not speak about that and not look at that. Um, that it was causing me to, you know, it was causing all this chaos, chaos in my life. Yeah, 
uh, the, the thought that came into mind is that was a, uh, a leftover long hair from a uh, past life where you were some uh, like um, wizard type dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want to really shine a light on what you share there about your story, mate, because what you described there, the shame and embarrassment, and I'm sure you've come across this with the people you serve. It's definitely been the case for me. They, they're worried about that judgment and they, and they have all that shame and guilt from something that was inflicted upon them and it's natural to feel that way. But the fact that you've been able to process this and now you're comfortable sharing this in a public setting, it's just so powerful because it gives people, like we talked about before we jumped on, right, messages of hope to realise that no matter what they've been through, that there is a possibility to actually come out that other side mm. to be able to make peace with it and to be able to talk about it and release that anger that you said that, that came with it. Like, mm. yeah. So, so I really want to like show that appreciation for you sharing that because it's, it's, we need to make this normal conversations and yeah. people like yourself going out there and talking about this sort of stuff, man, so much power in that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And, like to, to, to go on that as a little bit deeper, like do, doing the work and actually, you know, knowing how to identify and dissolve those unconscious limitations. Like I realized like seeing those experiences with my parents is what made me want to be a better communicator and be able to communicate with a partner and not blow up and lose my lid and being able to be present. And, you know, it led me to want to meditate and to work on myself. Like they were actually my greatest teachers, but for a long time I, I felt, Oh, I wish I was I had a different upbringing, or I wish things were different, or I wish this didn't happen. But when I got grateful for them, and they're just doing the best that they can, and they were just loving me unconditionally, because I seen and I expanded my perspective and my awareness on holy crap! Like they were showing me, Brett, hey, don't, don't ignore your your past, don't ignore your stuff, because this is what happens when you do. Right, and they were teaching me so much of that, and they were teaching me, bro. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you've been through. You know, you can you can overcome anything. Because my parents now, they're you know they're apps, they're both very career driven. They've completely transformed their life from when we were younger. Um, but it's you know it, it's really beautiful to see that and um, to to have that relationship with them and that le- level of, of gratitude for them now. Um, That's awesome. Shifted through that. Yeah. Man, big stuff. Then we get to something even bigger, right? So we get to uh, a near-death experience. So talk me through that and then we'll get into uh, okay, so some of the, some of the hidden lessons, lessons through that. Yeah, so I left school and I started doing these dead-end jobs, you know, and I was like, uh, you know, I was surrounded by these, this environment that I didn't really want to be around. And uh, ended up learning a job on the mines, earning like you know three and a half thousand dollars a week. And I was making all this money. I'm like, yeah, I want to get all the money and all the cool stuff. Then I'll feel fulfilled. And um, it's a, this one particular night. It's a night shift. My my third night doing night shift. And uh, I'm working in high risk work, working with cranes. So after the SAS in Australia, SAS is the highest number of deaths, death toll in terms of percentage. Next is rigging and uh, working with cranes. So that has the, the, the second biggest death toll of any any profession in Australia. Wow. 
And so I've had a few had a few near misses. Like my dad got me into the industry. I was kind of following his foot. He's like, yeah, come and work with me, son. So I was working and following his kind of footsteps because I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And so I just went along with whatever landed in my lap. And um, I miscalculate a lift. And if you do that, it can result in pretty catastrophic things. And so um, as I as I was working with this crane, I, the center of gravity was off. It's kind of hard to explain if you don't understand the industry, but basically I was nearly flung off the top of this platform and nearly fell 30 meters to my death. And it was fortunate that there was two tradies there that basically helped me back onto this platform. If they weren't there, I probably would have died that night. And um, and this, it was like this silence. There was three other workers there, and this is just, just grim silence. So, so, like, what actually did happen? Like, you got flung from your chair, and then, like, what, what's... No, no, I wasn't called? in the crane. I was working with crane, so I was on the other end of the hook. Oh, um, right. I was at, yeah, I was on the other end of the hook, and I was lifting this 500-kilo, um, um, basically, shoot. It's like a square shoot that goes from, you know, the top conveyor and there's a square shoot that goes and the rocks fall down this shoot to the next level. And I'm at, very, I'm at the very, very top and I'm pulling it out and the crane, like the boom of the crane was over the edge of the platform. So as this thing lifted up, it swung almost like a, you know, like a grandfather clock would swing, like, yeah. you know, the center was over on the edge and it swung and it dropped and it went completely the opposite way over the edge of this platform. And so, like, my legs got crushed. I was holding on to, like, dear life. And um, and these two tradies were, like, ripping on and they pulled me back into the onto the platform. And, like, I, I still thank them every day for my for giving me, you know, the second chance at life. And um, so there was this grim, you know, feeling in the air and it was kind of dead silent. Because you know, I could have been splattered and flattered, flattened on the ground below, put into a box, never to see my family again, and, uh, and that really hit me, and that really activated something with me. Because I started questioning, like, what if I didn't do anything meaningful in my life? What if my life didn't matter? What if I didn't make a difference? And I started to really ask those deeper questions, like, why am I here? What's the purpose of all this? And um, and so I went back to my, my donga and I went to sleep for three hours and then I got woken up by um, some cleaners in the next room, cleaning the cleaning the room next to me. They were banging and, and, and whatnot. And that wasn't purposeful, but I woke up and, um, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. So I finished the job. I was up there for three days or three, three other nights and um, I, I didn't sleep for six days straight. I just couldn't. I just tried to sleep and and as time went on, like I started to feel this deeper, like I was just drinking water. I wasn't really eating that much food. I was having a piece of food every few hours. And I started to have these insights in these different parts of, like my mind started to open up in different ways. And I was having more and more, I was getting more and more, I was having more energy as each kind of night and day went on and I was having these profound experiences that I couldn't explain. And the most profound one was, um, was on the, 
one of the last nights where I, I'm at my girlfriend at the time's house and she's like, just go to bed, Brett. Come on, come to bed. Like, go to sleep. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, and I'm like trying to get to sleep. I'm like, all right, just go to sleep. So I close my eyes. And uh, as I close my eyes, I see this kaleidoscope of my whole life. Like all the experiences in this, this one kind of, you know, picture, image. Yeah. Like this kaleidoscope of everything. And I went back all the way from now to when I was born. And then I was like, if you could imagine being born into the world for the first time and having that as a memory. It's like, that's what I went in, went to at the time. I thought I died and go to heaven because it was this white light. And I just felt this unconditional love, felt this bliss and this connection. And I was like, holy shit, I've died. I'm in heaven. My eyes are about to just, I'm about to see God or Jesus or something crazy is about to happen. Yeah. And so then my, my mind kicked back in and I'm on the edge of the bed and my heart's just racing, racing out of my chest. And I'm like, whoa. And that, it seemed more real than like this reality it was so freaking real. I'm like, whoa, that was incredible. I wonder what happened back there. I wonder what that was. I want to go and experience it again. Yeah. So I lay back down and I close my eyes. And uh, I don't know at the time whether this was like so like con- social conditioning or if the universe was trying to show me duality, you know, um, which is a big thing that I talk about in depth. Duality is like the universal law of duality is very powerful. But as I close my eyes, I don't know if you've seen Lord of the Rings. Probably have. Maybe. Well, okay, so for those who have seen it, it's that big. I see this big flaming eye in, uh, like that was what I'd seen, and it was this big, like was black and flame and red, and like it literally. So the feeling that I felt though was like if you had, if you had a dial in your body for pain and pleasure. And you turn them both to the max. That is what I felt. It was like this excruciating numbness. And it literally felt like I was in hell. You're right. And it was like it was like what eternity would feel like. Eternal nothingness, eternal emptiness. And so I come out of that experience and I'm absolutely petrified by this stage. And I start, I'm not a religious person, never been a religious person. Like, in fact, my parents would, like, slam the door on anyone and go away, you Bible basher. And, you know, like, I was far from religious at all, but I started praying to God. And I was like, please give me a sign. Show me that you're real. Just, just show me. And then it was like if someone came to the planet Earth and flicked on the lights and there was sun beaming through the blinds and this, this house was second story and so the window backed out over this reserve so all the birds were tweeting and I got up and I walked over to the window and I opened up this window and I could just see all these trees and then just tears just started streaming down my face like just like Niagara Falls, just streaming down my face. And, and I just felt so connected to everything in that moment. I was the birds, I was the trees, I was – the room, there was no there was no boundary between my skin and the edges of the universe. That's cool. I felt so present and connected and I was like, wow, this is there's something more to this. This, this was like a sign for me. And so 
after this experience, I didn't know how to explain what had occurred for me. And so I ended up at my um, grandmother's house, house later in that day. And the next thing, my family's like, Brent, what's going on? What's happening? And they're asking me these questions. And I'm just like, I'm not responding because I'm like, if I tell them, they're going to think I'm nuts. So I'm not yeah. going to say anything because I don't want to, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm cra- crazy or whatever. And then the next thing you know, there's paramedics. And they walk me and I'm zonked. I'm like, I'm, I'm not... I'm not mentally there. I'm just like, my mind is completely just drained. And so I just kind of walk into this ambulance and then they take me to um, the hospital and they admit me to the emergency ward. And um, I'm laying there and this nurse comes in. She's like, all right, Brett, we're going to put you to sleep now. And so I'm getting paranoid by this day. I haven't slept for six days, right? So paranoia starts kicking. She's like, we're going to put you to sleep now, bro. I'm like, How do they say to dogs before they, you know, put them down? Like, <laughs> and I was like freaking out, you know. And I was like, but she, you know, I passed out. They sedated me. I obviously had a good, well-needed rest. And I kind of came to and I had all these ch- tubes hanging out my arms. And I was in the emergency. And I'm thinking, I don't feel safe here. You know, I don't feel like this is the place I, I, I should be right now. So I pull out these um, cords, yeah. get up, and I walk out from behind the curtain and there's a security guard standing there. And I'm thinking, why would there be a security guard? And he says, where do you think you're going, mate? And I said, oh, I'm going home. And then, I kid you not, it was like my worst nightmare coming true. I had five male nurses on top of me, wrestling me. And I'm pleading them, why are you doing this? I haven't hurt anyone. I haven't hurt myself. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And I'm literally fighting for my for my life, for what I feel like is my my physical freedom. Yeah. And it's just falling upon deaf ears. And they drag me and they rip me and they pull me into this little white room with a bed frame. They pin me down to the bed, strap me down to the bed, sedate me. And then I woke up in room uh, 33 at the Joondalup Psychiatric Ward here in, in Western Australia. Ooh, whoa. And um, I wake up and I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm this is this white room, it's sterile room, white sheets, white bed, and there's a door to my right-hand side towards the edge of the bed. And so I come out, I get up and I, and I come outside this room and I'm thinking, this is like a bad nightmare, this is like a bad dream. And... I walk out and I see this long hallway to my right and there's a and as I look out into the hallway to the left of the hallway is a from the from the floor to the roof is just floor to, to roof windows and outside the windows is brick this kind of barren kind of courtyard with this brick wall and above the brick wall was like three feet high metal fencing. And I'm like, whoa. I had no idea where I was and what was happening in that moment. And I turn around. As soon as I turn around, I see that I'm in room number 33. Again. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was thinking, there's some, there's a sign here. This is like, that was a little, there was a little seed plant. Like there's something meaningful to this experience. Why I'm here. Why, what's, why this is happening in my life. But, at the same time, there's this sense of like shame of like, this is going to be a story. I'm going to have to 
like the stories that I was pushing down from my childhood, this is going to be another one that I'm going to have to push down and never tell a soul about because I could never speak about this. No one would get it. No one would understand. And, so um, I'm, I'm I just dying to know, like how, how was it you had a security guard outside your bed there and – and how do you go from like it's like zero to a thousand? Like how how do you go from you passing out to being in a psych ward? Good question. <laughs> um, so because I hadn't slept in what my parents and my family told 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 them, obviously they probably thought that this guy, you know, they had their their system, their process in place, you know. Right. Yep. And. Um, and so as I, as I, you know, I was there against my will for 28 days and I wasn't like, I wouldn't take their medication. So basically what they do is they, they, they put you on um, a regimen where you're having pills for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. With every meal, you have to have your pills. So I was there because I wasn't sleeping. So I would refuse their pills. It was this rebellious part of me. And they would pin me down each night and jab me with a needle to put me to sleep. And like these, um, like again, like I'm so grateful for the people that were there at that time. Like, who knows what happened if I didn't go into that? I could have thought I was freaking Superman and jumped off a building. Like, who knows where my mind would have led me if I didn't, you know, go through this experience? But there was a lot of obviously resentment and anger for a long time there. But I knew that for me to really get this, I had to. They were my, you know, there's there's a interesting story about this shaman who walks through a psychiatric ward and he goes through and he said, these are all people with gifts. There's just no initiation for a uh, spiritual awakening in the modern world. So when something happened like that to one of the, the, the kids or one of the, the people in the, in the tribe, the shaman would take them and initiate them into shamanism. Brilliant. So these people were my shamans. <laughs> they were doing the best they could with the, 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 the system that we have today for, you know, people okay. going through those experiences. This is good. And it's a great story that leads into my next question. So you've had this phenomenal, profound experience and it's all very um, woo-woo and, and out there for anyone listening, maybe even going, oh, you know, like what, what's causing all that. I'm curious why this intuition, this this deeper side that, that clearly is a big part of your, your life and your transformation is that kind of the hidden thread through your program? Because it, to me, it's like, yes, the, the science of the brain is important and, and, and to, for people who are scientifically minded to give them all of the, the things that you take them through that's very much based in science so they can see that it's not, there is logic to it. It does make sense. But I, I'm more curious myself, this is like from a, a uh, selfish perspective, tell me more about that intuitive side that was unlocked through that process and then what developed after that through that that moment of like seeing the, the two extremes of like the duality, the light and the dark, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to kind of go in, to explain that, like I, I have to kind of finish that story with what happened. So Yeah, um, do. So I was there for 28 days and so I would have a doctor come in, to, come in and sit down with me and say, Brett, you have um, psychosis. And I would look them dead in the eyes and I'm like, I don't believe in your, in your labels. 
I'd actually say, I don't believe in your fucking labels. And I'd look dead in the eye and they would take a scratch down a little nose. They'd get all nervous and they would walk out. Yeah. And then the next day would be a completely different doctor. And so, it, again, this is where kind of the intu- intuition started playing. I'm like, hang on a minute. Why are they changing doctors? I started questioning, like, why are they trying to get me to believe that I have this thing? And then yeah. I'm changing, like, oh, you have um, bipolar, manic depression, schizophrenia. They labeled me everything under the sun. And my my something inside of me just said, don't believe in their labels. Don't believe in that bullshit. Like, they cannot define who I am. And then Love finally, it. the most, you know, experienced um, psych- psychiatrist in the in the whole place. Um, he had 40-plus years' experience. He was uh, from South Africa and had all these extra credentials. They're like, he's coming to see you. And so he came in and he actually connected with me. We, we both played guitar and he said, look, Brett, after I denied everything, like, I'm not, I don't have any of those things. He said, look, Brett, I've only ever seen this once in my whole career, but it's what's called a transient phenomenon. And so... I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, like, they tried to get me on medication and told, them, told me I'll be on medication for the rest of my life. And so after I'd gotten out, that's really where I, you know, I fell in this dark place, taking these meds, and, you know, for about two months, I was just sleeping 16 hours a day, waking up, eating, you know, at, eating at, like, 1 o'clock, you know, after I wake up at one o'clock and then go to bed at like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and then just sleep. And I was just putting on heaps of weight. It's miserable. I was, you know, quote unquote depressed. I was in this deep, dark hole. And I knew that I was getting deeper unless I pulled, I know, I, I realized that the only person that could pull me out of that place was myself. And so I started to look into meditation. I started to look into, um, you know, um, Buddhism and spirituality, which then led me into meditation, which led me into, you know, want to learn about the brain and quantum physics and everything like that. Um, and so I just started opening up to all these different pieces of information. And I was like, I was like, my intuition was just leading me, like whatever fascinated me, whatever led me, I was just connecting all these pieces, um, of collecting all these pieces of this puzzle. Um, and so to kind of come back around and kind of answer your question is like, what when it comes to like duality right like everything in humanity is in duality so i have to explain duality to 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 make this point so if we look at the planet it's light on one side of the planet it's dark on the other side of the planet if we look to the moon we only see one side of the moon if we look at the human body we have two ears two eyes two nostrils two thumbs we have a mouth and we have an anus in between that tube is our liver and pancreas one's associated with bitter one's associated with sweet we break down the human form. We've got systems, organs, tissues, cells, molecules, atoms, and subatomic particles. And so the smallest atom in the physical known universe is the hydrogen atom. And 99.9% of all matter in the universe is made up of hydrogen. And the hydrogen um, atom has one positive phase and one negative phase. So everything from the macro universe all the way down to the microscopic universe is in a state of duality. And it's the same goes with our emotions, our memories, everything is in a state of duality. So when we have an experience, our brain takes in this sensory information through our five senses being taste, touch, smell, sight, and sound. We actually have about 109 senses that we now know of, right, that regulate body temperature and all sorts of things. As we take this information, 
we polarize this information, we make it positive, negative, happy, sad, pleasure, pain, peace, war, right, wrong, etc., etc. So this is associated with our lower mammalian brain, our animal brain, which is primary objective is to seek pleasure and avoid pain, right? And so we have an instinct to avoid pain and an impulse to seek things that pleasure us when we're coming, when we're living from that animal part of our brain. Now, when we activate the executive set of the prefrontal cortex of the brain, that's where our intuition is located because now we're not trying to run from these two polarities, instinct and impulse. We're aligned, we're centered, we're in, we're in tune, we're, we are intuitively led. And it's like the way I kind of explain it is our intuition is like this part, it's like the frontal lobe of the brain is like the orchestra of the brain. It's, it's the conductor. Right, and it, it, it's controlling all these different. It can access all these different elements and all these different regions of the brain and memories and insights and you know. And so when that's in charge and, and, and leading the show, it can integrate all these different. Our subconscious minds taken has taken every single piece of information we've ever ever learned. Like that's why when they do hypnosis and someone can go into hypnosis, they can be like, all right, tell me what that car registration number was that you walked past that no one would ever remember but your subconscious mind has stored that information. And we have access to that storehouse when we're connected to our intuition. Brilliant. So our brain takes in about 400, takes in 400 billion pieces of information per second, but we're only conscious of 2,000 bits of information. Straight out of the Dr. Joe playbook, that one, right? 100%. So... Like that goes to show how powerful our, our mind is, but we're only aware of the small slither of, of our reality. And so whatever we focus our attention on, as you know, it grows. Brilliant. Wherever yeah. energy flows, wherever energy goes, our attention follows. So how do people, like through the work that you do, how do you help them to, to be able to tune in, to be able to find that center, to find that balance so they can receive that intuitive guidance? to help them deepen their purpose? So through, again, it's through asking yourself these questions, like asking yourself like questions of yourself that, okay, to sum it up, like when we're emotional, right, is where, you know, we're caught up in this animal brain and we ask yourself, okay, how is this particular thing serving me? I'll use an example of a client. She's, um, She's owns a, a promotional agency, right here in one of Australia's biggest promotional agencies. Agencies, and um, so she had some, you know, stuff come up with her business, and you know, she was copying some, you know, some really hard, hard things where she was going to lose a lot of, lot of business, and she was stressing right out. She's like, "Oh, this is the problem." Blah 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 blah. And I said, "Okay, what's the benefit of what's going on for you?" And so she was in an animal brain all stressed in her amygdala, right? So when you ask the question, all the energy flows to the front, frontal lobe of the brain. And so what happens is you have to get creative and you have to look for the better. So, you know, for example, she's like, well, I'm having to be grounded. I'm having to stay centered. I'm having to become more present. I'm having to become more creative. I'm having to look for solutions. I'm having to, you know, up-level my communication. And as you start to 
as you start to answer these questions, what you're doing is you're firing wiring these new, new neural pathways that you weren't, current, weren't previously aware of. And so what happens then, you hit this, what I call, the, you hit a brick wall, right? And so yeah. you hit this brick wall and you've asked yourself these questions, this question, you might have, you know, the first five might have come to you, you know, because they're already there, they're already present. Your intuition's already whispered those in, but you're just not, you're not focusing on them, we're focusing on the stress. So our intuition's constantly whispering to us every single moment of every single day. And it's trying to get us to become more balanced, to become more aware, to become more present. And so as you hit this brick wall, on the other side of that, right, is you hit this brick wall and you're, you're completely blank. You're like, I can't think of any new more benefits or I can't see any more blessings. Every time you start to answer the question from then on, you're forging new neural pathways and you're creating more blood flow, energy, glucose to the forefront of your brain. And that's where then insights will drop in because you've now released your resistance to this problem and you've elevated yourself to where instead of seeing it, you know, all as negative, you've opened up your awareness, you're seeing both sides and now you're centered and now all of a sudden, whether it's in that moment or the next day, you've created this more blood flow to the frontal over the brain, the creative center of the brain and now insights and, you know, messages, things will come through for you to, that will, be guiding you to actually. This is a blessing. This is helping me go to this next level. It's it's helping me be be more prepared, more resilient, more understanding, more empathetic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, that's one of the ways that we can really tap into our intuition because if we're run by our emotions, we're not we're reacting to our life and we're staying in those the same confines of what we've always been doing because we can't create a new reality or a new experience of life based on the same thoughts, feelings and emotions that created the one that we're in. And um, to kind of tie it all in together is that by asking ourselves questions that lead our intuition as opposed to waiting for our intuition to, 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 you know, come to us. Like, like if you meet someone um, people people know this. It can relate to this experience. Say if you meet someone who, you know, if you're a guy or a girl, and you meet a guy or a girl, and you know they're really like, you know, like they're amazing. They're so incredible. They're they're, they're this. They're that. The other. Your intuition will start whispering to, you, hey, what about this? What if they're not all that? Like they will start to balance out that that inflated perception you have of them, so that you can see the balance of what's going on. So how do you tell the difference between what's that intuition and what's your ego telling you? Because, you know, we get that, we get those yeah, the duality again, right? We get those different messages. How, how do we, um, or how do you create that differentiation within your own mind? So for me, like it all comes back to being present. So I, I will close my eyes. I, I generally put my hand on my heart because that creates biofeedback. Uh, our heart actually has its own cl- cluster of neurons. It's a plexus of neurons. So it has its own consciousness, its own brain. So when you stop, you put your hand on your heart and you ask a question and you wait for that answer to come through, you know, through not your mind and your head where your awareness is, but from, from here, you usually get a very clear answer. 
Yeah, cool. If you're centered yeah. and you're present and you're you're in that space and you're not thinking about the outside world, you'll get a clear you'll get a clear message come through. Um, you know, journaling as well is really really powerful. Like asking powerful questions. Like I have a whole process in Discover Your Purpose where how you can actually go through and ask specific questions so that you can so you can access that intuition and so you can actually have that clear signal and message and go okay this is what i'm meant to act on or this is what i'm meant to do or this is what's unfolding for me this is the hidden blessing etc etc um and also there's one real important piece so when we look at duality most of us are aware when we're low right right most people know when they're feeling low then some people, you know, where what pulls them up, they might go and do something that invigorates and inspires them. What I do is ask the question, like, how is this a blessing? How is this a benefit? Or how is this serving me? So then that kind of brings you back to center because, you you know, you're, you're asking all these questions that bring you back to the center. But the challenge is, once you know how to do that, the challenge is then catching yourself when you're an emotional high. Because when we're emotionally high, we're completely ignorant to the... Um, the opposite side and we think we're invincible and we're on top of the world and nothing can touch us and that's usually what happens when we're in that space is life will come and squash us and that's when we'll go oh why me life's so hard oh this always happens just as I'm about to get you know move forward in my life bad shit happens but it's not that life is wrong or bad or anything like that is that Life is designed to help us evolve and grow. And we evolve and we grow most on the on the on the in the center of duality, you know, on the between supported and being challenged, between order and chaos. In the center of that is maximum growth of evolution. This can be, you know, this can be um, this is documented well in like, you know, animals and and and, and, and evolution itself on a physiological Example, you know, when our environment has a balance of support and challenge, that's when the most transformation and evolution occurs. So yeah. the question here when we're high is like when we're up and high and mighty, when life wants to, we've got to be really aware of that because when we will track an event to, to humble us, to bring us back in a balance. Because one thing as well, like we've all been told to be addicted to chasing ease and, uh, you know, uh, we want to chase ease and we want to be supported all the time. We want to feel happy all the time. But life is designed to help us grow and evolve. So we, when the more we chase ease and the more we chase support, the more we will attract challenge and difficulties so we can evolve and grow. So my thing is like choose a challenge that inspires you. Choose your challenges wisely because if you've got a goal and a, and, a, and a mission and a vision to say, you know, help – 300 people, for example, when your car breaks down or your fridge breaks down, you're not emotionally caught up in that. But if you don't have a challenge that inspires you, your car breaks down and your fridge breaks, oh, why me? Life's so hard kind of thing, you know? And so yeah. when we're high and mighty, the question we want to ask yourselves is, um, how can I be more aware? How can I be more focused? How can I be more disciplined or organized? Because that's when life's really flowing for us. You know, everything's happening in our favor. I'm like, yeah, okay. Then from that place, you ask those questions, that's going to allow you to get a bigger perspective and that's going to become your new standard kind of thing as opposed to the to the exception. Yeah, love right? that. When you hit, that, when you hit yeah. your upper limit, 
you want to be able to expand that and, and, and create more. Um, yeah, love that. More awareness around that. Yeah, keep up leveling. So good. So self-awareness and then this is this is the intuition part you said self-awareness of aware around it then you actually helping them remove that subconscious block and then they'll be able to connect at a deeper level 100 so cool simple but not always so simple so brett where can people find you where can people find out more about you and what you're up to um so i have a, a website if anything's resonated with you um, around this, anyone watching or listening, um, I have a website called discoveryourpurpose.com.au. There's um, testimonials. It kind of outlines the process, and it's an application form to have a conversation with me. So I can actually I can show you this process, and I can share it with you. And if it seems like a good idea to work together, we can obviously talk about that. Um, but I'm not like here to sell anything. I'm here to serve first and foremost. So that's my website. And then obviously um, Instagram, Brett Debray, um, two T's and D-O-B-R-E, just the first five letters of my name. Those are the places that you'll be able to find some good content and information as well. Um, and, yeah, I'm working on a YouTube channel at the moment, so working on some awesome. content for that. Um, one to yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Hey, Brett, thanks so much for sharing your journey, uh, particularly some of those real – more challenging moments of your life and and like i said earlier for for shining a light on what's possible when you can make peace with that and then be able to share your story and give everyone else hope that's uh that's awesome mate thank you so much yeah, you're welcome and just one thing is like i want to share with everyone is like i'm inspired by waking up and and showing people, being an example of no matter what you've been through or no matter what you've, whatever challenge you've happened, like you can do something that's meaningful with your life. You can do whatever you set your mind to. And that's what pushes me through. That's what makes me want to share these stories is like to share that example. And that's what we're here to do. Joseph Campbell, who was one of the greatest um, mythologists said like we're here to over, you know the darkness that we've overcome we're here to shine a light to help people who are walking through the darkness and so I believe if we continue to do that with our own journey and inspire others to do the same and encourage others to do what lights them up and share their you know their story and their you know tragedy to triumph kind of journey then that's how we will you know, transform this world and make this world a better place. Well said. Awesome. Thanks, mate. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for having me. It was an absolute honour to be here. Good stuff. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.